This is John Galgano of Is, and you are listening to Michael's Record Collection. Hello, and welcome to Michael's Record Collection, where we talk about great music with the people who make it and the people who love it. This is episode number 105. And I wanted to sort of pay tribute to the music and life of Ray Shulman. Ray is, of course, founding member of Gentle Giant. He was on this show way back on episode 12, almost 100 episodes ago, back in 2021. And he was just absolutely terrific. He was a a great guy, a very sweet guy. And you can go back and find that episode. It's been one of the most downloaded episodes of this show. And just devastating to hear about Ray's passing. I mean, he was 73. He apparently had had an illness. And... It was. A, it's been a tough couple of weeks, but uh, I wanted to talk to somebody about Ray Shulman's career. Also, want to take a, a quick moment to shout out a personal hero of mine, Ian Berenson, who was a big part of the Alan Parsons Project Sound guitarist. He passed away also recently. I had reached out to him in 2022 about having him on the show because I loved his work with Alan Parsons and Kate Bush, and of course his band Pilot had a very big hit with Magic. And I wanted to have Ian on the show, so I reached out to him, and I I looked for his website, found it, and I looked for some contact info, and there was a a link there, but it was broken, so I went to his Facebook page to report that, and long story short, ended up talking to his wife, who was the administrator of his Facebook page, and she told me privately that, uh, yeah, he was not in good health and wouldn't be able to do an interview. He had been suffering from a rare form of dementia and uh, was sort of deteriorating health-wise. So that was a year ago. So it it wasn't a shock to me that Ian passed, but uh, it's still sad because he he was such a fantastic musician. So anyway, I uh, enlisted the help of John Galgano from Is, the bass player from that band, to come on and talk to me a little bit about Ray Shulman. We kind of celebrate Ray and Gentle Giant. Thought I'd bring that to you this week. Something maybe a little bit more somber, but hopefully uplifting too, in that it is a celebration of what was great about Ray and great about Gentle Giant. So let's get to that. Here we go. I'm joined by John Galgano of Is. John, welcome back to the program. Thank you for having me again, Michael. Appreciate it. I want to talk to you about uh, a little bit of a somber topic. The uh, passing of Ray Shulman of Gentle Giant passed away on uh, March 30th. I really didn't want to believe it was true because I heard the news on April 1st, which mm. is notoriously a day where you kind of ignore uh, any major news because yeah. you never know if it's if it's true or not. But it, it turned out to be true that uh, Ray uh, passed away, um, age 73. And this is a guy who was, I was fortunate enough to interview him in 2021, just after we started doing this thing. I, I wow, was like my great. 12th, 12th show. Wow. And he came on to talk about the freehand reissue that, uh, Steven Wilson put out and just, he was just the loveliest guy. Hmm. And the nicest guy, very gracious with his time. We talked for about an hour. I think the the show ended up being about 40 minutes, but we talked a little bit before and after and just, just a terrific, sweet guy. And he's the first guest that I've had on the show that's passed away. So of course it's, it's hitting home for me. And and of course his music, um, gentle giants music has, has touched my life has touched your life. And I wanted to have you on because you are 
a bass player. And, and of course, that was just one of many things that Ray did, but Ray did it so well. So I wanted to get your perspective on it. So why don't we start out by just telling me how you discovered Gentle Giant and, and what was your like entry point? Yeah. So I, I, I came to them a little late. Um, I had known that they existed growing up, but for whatever reason, it wasn't in my, my worldview at the time. And um, so growing up listening to Emerson, like and Palmer and Genesis and yes. And um, Renaissance for whatever reason, general giant wasn't in that mix when is came together and released sliver of a sun, our first album in 99. And then my move in Oh two, we actually started to get, people saying on the nascent internet fan boards at that time that we sounded like gentle giant. And I was sort of like, well, that's impossible because, <laughs> because I don't know what they sound like. <laughs> and then uh, we actually, a, a, a big part of the, the early is fan base were, uh, was a group uh, Gorg, the Gorg group, the, the giant on reflection. Uh, I actually can't remember what the, what the, I think it's a, a giant on reflection gathering I can't remember what it stands for, but anyway, a bunch of guys who I'm still very close with um, in that group um, became is fans and were sort of like, I, how do you not know General Giant? You guys sound like General Giant. So, and it took a couple of years of prodding to get me to even just listen to them. And the turning point for me was Mark Katera, who is a, a fan, but a dear friend bought me, I think it was Giant on the Box. It was a live DVD with a CD in it. And I listened to the CD. It was at a near fest and I drove home and I listened to the live album on CD driving home. And I was like, Whoa, who are these guys? Where have they been my whole life? And, um, you know, my, man, my friend, Jerry McCarthy, who was also one of the, one of the folks who really was trying to get me to listen to it. You know, he wasn't surprised that the live, it was the live album that caught my ear because he had seen them live, you know, back in the seventies and, and they were always kind of a live band. So, um, that was the first thing that I remember really catching my ear, particularly, uh, I think the, the boys in the band bit where, where Ray and Gary are playing the acoustic guitars together. The duet is, I was just like, oh my, this stuff is amazing. So that was my introduction. Yeah. Do you have a favorite Gentle Giant album? Of course I do. Power and the Glory. What is it that um, particularly speaks to you about that album? 
I think it is a it is a perfect blend of their complexity and their pop sensibilities, which I think are are a little bit un, underrated or or at least um, underappreciated. I think that album, you know, a song like um, a song like playing the game. It's 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 such a beautiful kind of like pop song with the you know with a funny middle section, um, but it's so, it's so catchy, mm-hmm. and and so that and, and the way the album is produced as well. I think it's a really beautifully produced album. It sounds fantastic. It sounds as good to me as any album ever made. It's just the everything about that album sounds great. Um, so that that one really caught my ear. The face is another example of the album, like just. An amazing tune. Yeah. Ray told me in our discussion, he said that they, they wanted their music to be popular, but when it came time to record stuff, whatever they wrote, they just kind of ruined it. He said, <laughs> they, <laughs> they would, it would just put something extra in something different and some little yeah. twist to it that would, it, in his words would ruin it. And I, I love the fact that he, he put it that way because you know, for progressive rock fans, those are the things that make those songs. Yeah. Special. It sounds like they got bored sometimes. <laughs> like they're, they're chugging away. I'm playing the game. Oh, I'll play the game and never ever lose. Okay. This is a great pop song. And, then, and they just got bored. Like we have to do something different. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. They, I mean, you yeah. look at, you look at the list of the instruments that these guys played on the records and it's like, Ray, did you guys just start looking around the studio and just picking up whatever you found and just start mm-hmm. playing it and recording it because that's kind of what it, it seems like, you know, you yeah. a typical band, like even a band like King Crimson, it's mostly like guitar, drummer, bass player, keyboard player, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and with them, it's like, um, bass player, trumpet, viola, violin, recorder, yes. <laughs> uh, acoustic guitar, uh, mm-hmm. All of that stuff, and it's yeah. uh, it's uh, it, it's amazing. But I I was going to say that my intro to them was probably it, well, it was uh, acquiring the taste, and I think that's why that's my favorite record from them. Mm-hmm. I usually, kind of gravitate toward that first one, and and it's like you said, it's there's some pop hidden in there, mm-hmm. but it they've managed to twist it into. A, you know, something a little more interesting and adventurous. Yeah. And as a bass player, what can you tell me about the way that, that Ray played? Because he is, is seen in, in prog rock circles, certainly as every bit, the virtuoso on his instrument that like a Chris Squire was with. Yes, absolutely. I, I, I totally agree. And so, yeah, when I, when I discovered, you know, when I discovered Ray's playing, I had kind of grown up wanting to be Chris Squire, right? Wanting to sound like him. Um, and early on, I remember thinking, okay, I learned, I kind of learned how to play bass with a pick. That's kind of how I learned to play. I didn't only recently have I been a little more facile with my fingers and my thumb, but um, I always loved playing with a pick. I love the attack that it gave, but I always felt a little bit like, looked down upon because I played bass with a pick. So if I got out of the progressive rock circles, it would be, wait, you're playing bass with a pick. It was sort of like, you don't do that. You know, you have to play with your fingers. So when I heard Ray and it came at a great time in my life, because I was like, Oh, he plays with a pick too, you know? And so the first thing I noticed was, was the, the same 
kind of attack. It's, it wasn't the same sound as Squire, very different and unique, but the same kind of attack and aggressiveness and cutting through the mix um, that Squire had and that Ray had as well. And I was sort of felt like, oh, you know, this is okay. It's okay to play with the pick. And that's his style. And it's, you know, I don't, I think if you, if you played five or six isolated bass tracks, you could, you would be able to pick out Ray immediately, I'm sure. Ray's, I don't know if it was because he doesn't didn't do a lot of interviews or whatever it is, but the video that I did of my interview with him is insanely more popular than any of the other videos oh. that I've done. And it's and I've even had Derek on the show and right. he like thousands and thousands of views ahead of his brother and his brother was the lead singer. So right. um, I, I don't know if there's some kind of mystique about him or what, but and you know, you would think that, oh, maybe a lot of that happened after his death. And there, it, I mean, we have, it's gotten a lot of views since he passed, but oh. he, it was already easily distancing the the next closest, like, like he's got more than double than my next highest number mm. of views. So, uh, and, and not just in views, but also in comments and likes. And so I know that there's, there's a strong, very passionate, gentle giant fan base out there that really values Ray as a musician. Mm-hmm. Now, General Giant had a lot of the, you know, they they experimented with time signatures in the way that is also does at times. And and I was thinking about this today. I wanted to ask you about it. It's, there's, I don't know if it's because of something inherent in human beings or if it's because we're inundated with sounds from the time we're born and maybe we come to um, our, or maybe we're conditioned to expect a certain time signature, a certain beat. Uh, and I was thinking about this, like a four, four beat, like you're, you're used to that. It's, it's common, whether you're hearing a, a pop song or whether you're hearing a commercial jingle or a, a TV theme song or whatever. And so when you're, when you're used to that sound being on the beat, and then all of a sudden there's silence on the beat and then there's sound after the beat, it's jarring and a little bit, um, and that's kind of what makes progressive rock so interesting, but also hard for certain people to get into. And I wondered what your thoughts are on that. Do you think it's something that we're born with um, a rhythmic certain, like we have heartbeats and all of that? Is it, is it a rhythmic thing that we're born with, or is it a rhythmic thing that we are taught? Or do you think it's some kind of a combination of that that makes a, a regular or quote unquote normal time signature seem mm. correct to us and everything else sounds a little dissonant or a little, uh, a little off. That's a, that's a very deep question. My, 
my my take on that would be i think it's more nurture than nature i think that it's because we are inundated with four four time signatures that we kind of feel that that's normal and when you hear a five four it sounds abnormal i think i mean i i think if you if and i i th- i guess part of it is because i grew up listening to music that had funny time signatures so they don't seem odd to me and you know i'll write i'll often write things in 5 4 and 7 8 that i think are in 4 4 because they just sound they just feel normal and laura will sort of be like oh what is this what time signature is it i'm like oh it's in 4 and she's like no it's not it's in something else and so it's an interesting thing and then even going back to a song like the face on playing the game the way the way ray plays his bass on especially the intro of that it's it's like um he plays upbeats or 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 something on that intro with the and i i think it's in four four but i'm not actually sure because his the rhythmic sensibility on that song is wacky And so I think one of the things General Giant had had going for them too is they were able to make like different time signatures sound normal because John part of it's because John Weathers had that the groove going. And but Ray always kind of did something a little bit different to make it sound odd. Okay. Yeah. How, what do you what do you think? Do you think we're born with four four? I don't know. That see when I when I hear something like Star Evil Nomasu, for example, mm. from from you guys, or Apocalypse and Nine Eighth. There's there's something about it that just seems a little off putting, but yeah. not in a bad way. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, yeah. that's different. It's not what I'm ready for, but it's mm. it, but I like it. And and a lot of Gentle Giants music obviously is like that too. And right. I always wondered if does it come back to something as simple as you're in the womb and your only sound that you are aware of is your mother's heartbeat. Mm-hmm. So you're used to a you know, like very steady rhythm. You're not mm-hmm. used to stuff being a little bit off, you know, right. um, you're not used to that. Like, and then you're listening to music. And if you listen to progressive rock music for the first time, let's say you grew up on the Beatles or whatever, and you're used to, you know, maybe the crash symbol every four or every eight. Right. And now it's hitting you on five or seven. Right. And it's, it's, so I just wondered about that. And I, that's yeah. why I wanted to get your take on that. Cause I, I don't have the answer. I just, I just like to think about stuff. Like there's that. a weird, there's a, there's a, a little anecdote that I have about time signatures. And when I, when I was in college, my, uh, one of my music teachers, we were, we were listening to Magorsky's, uh 
pictures at an exhibition and the the opening theme is which is in five i think um and one of the things he said was well five is a kind of if it was in five is a kind of it's almost like a walking tempo, a walking time signature where you can actually, you can see somebody walking and looking at the pictures as they're walking and it, it works in five, but it doesn't work in four. And I often think about that when I'm walking, <laughs> like that kind of makes some odd sense to me that maybe we walk in five, four or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure, but I I do know. And that's, yeah, that's, I guess that's another thing is like, you're, when you keep a steady pace, it's just like a heartbeat. It's, it's just one, two, one, two, one, two, right, you know, right. uh, waltzes and all of that stuff. But I, I know that it can be off-putting because I introduced my wife to the wonderful world of Genesis <laughs> being my favorite band. And she, uh, when I put on, and then there were three and down and out was playing. Ask me if there was something wrong with the disc. <laughs> and I, I'm not I'm not smart enough musically to know what right. time signature down and outs in, but it's certainly odd. Yes, it is odd. I don't <laughs> yeah, off the top of my head, I'd have to listen to it, but yeah, that's an odd one. Yeah. So I know that it's it's a little bit different for especially for people who haven't been around it their, you know, their whole lives or, or whatever, yep. but it, it's some people like it. Some people, pro- it probably is a little off-putting for some. So I, it, it just, I was curious about that and, and wanted to get your take. So I don't know if there's a right answer. Maybe it's been studied at some university. It probably has been somewhere. There's probably a paper written about it. Yeah, we'll have to look for that. Yeah. But uh, so General Giant puts out 11 studio albums in 10 years. Uh, really, I mean, that's a good amount of output for a decade, but that's a, a pretty small amount of time as a band mm-hmm. considering the reach that they had and the, the influence that they had on other bands. And, and you can, you know, you can talk to somebody like Steven Wilson, who obviously wanted to do their 5.1s because he had such respect for the band. Uh, I had um, sagas, Michael Sadler on the show. He pointed them out as the person that got him really into prog rock. Uh, and, and when I started listening to this band, the t-shirt I'm wearing Spock's beard I thought, man, these they got these really cool vocal counterpoint sections in their song. I didn't even know what Gentle Giant was at that time because I came to them late too. And then mm-hmm. I came to find out that Neil was a big Gentle Giant fan and always wanted to put stuff like that in his song. So of course that you know that you go down that rabbit hole, you find something you like, you find out what influenced it, and then you go to that and and on and on and on. But uh yeah, they just huge band influence you know, influence wise, but they were never commercially popular and not even to the point that King Crimson is and King Crimson. Right. They weren't commercially <laughs> not commercially popular <laughs> yeah. and can't, can't get a sniff from the rock and roll hall of fame. I, I've always said that the rock and roll hall of fame is incomplete until King Crimson gets in. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally agree. I mean, they changed music forever. If, if for no other reason, they have to go in for the first album because mm-hmm. it changed music bands that are in there 
probably don't even become bands without King Crimson. hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. It's probably the most uh, egregious omission at the moment. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah. But you're right about gentle giant. I mean, it's, it's really amazing the amount and quality of output they, they did release in 10 year or 11 years, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, you know, I don't know the kind of, because I've been a fan of Genesis and yes, for so long, I know their story inside and out. I kind of know the kind of gossip about why things happened and who left the band when I don't know that about gentle giant. So I, you know, kind of, I've always, I always wonder what kind of happened there. Um, I know, I mean, I know a little bit about Derek and, and going and, you know, becoming, you know, going into the kind of industry side of it. And I've become, you know, friends with Gary, with Gary green. And, and he's one of the loveliest men on the face of the earth <laughs> and we he even played on in his album what incredibly i can't i still can't believe that that happened so yeah i just kind of it's it makes you wonder you know and always say like what if right what if they had somehow transitioned into the 80s and and you know would they have had their owner of a lonely heart moment and i kind of feel like maybe they would have you know mm-hmm. tell people you need to tell people what gary green played on because there are completists out there who will <laughs> then go and buy your is album Okay, well, in 2012, is released an album called Crush of Night, and and uh, I wrote a song called Words and Miracles, which is on that album. That was, you know, I was deep into Gentle Giant at the time, and I wrote this this guitar, this kind of harmonized guitar line, and I was like, this is so, like, Gary has to play this. He has to play this. I have to figure out a way for him to play this. And, uh, I, you know, I asked him, and I can't believe, you know, he said yes, and he we flew out to New York and came to our studio and recorded. He not only recorded the guitar part I, that I wanted him to play, but he recorded several solos one of which is in that song and it's classic gary but he recorded background vocals for that song he wanted to sing harmony on the song so he recorded vocals so it was like a three-day whirlwind of amazingness that we had with gary that's very cool and that's a great album by the way people should buy it even if gary wasn't on it so um thank you so ray is in this band with his brothers phil and Derek, and that's you're in a band with your brother yes. you, can, you can speak to the dynamics of being in a rock band with your sibling what is that like you know it 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 got and is way better than it was than it was i i think in the in the early days it's hard because i you know when you're 18 19 20 you're all trying to establish yourselves and your own personality and your own kind of writing and tom and i both write as i i, I mean ray was kind of the primary slash secondary writer in general giant, correct? Yeah. Ray and Carrie. Yeah. Ray and Carrie. So 
I'm, I imagine, I, you know, I don't know, but it, trying to establish your own voice in, in a band of seven people is daunting. And at that age, you, you know, you kind of feel like you have to prove yourself. So I think for us, at least once we got past that initial Tom and I, and I, you know, I think part of it was for good because a lot of the, a lot of the headbutting made the music better. Um, and we still we still headbutt, but we do it much more professionally, <laughs> much than we used more to. Res- respectfully now, yes, more respectfully <laughs> than, than we used to. And it's still, you know, we still have some pretty heated uh, discussion about songs and and which direction things should go and what lyrics should be where and all this sort of thing. But um, but it's much more respectful. And um, and now, as uh, you know, being in my forties, I'm appreciative and I. I I'm thankful that I get to be in a band with Tom. Yeah. It's a, there's a lot of great things about that. It's pretty special. Yeah. So Ray was, uh, he was all set to join uh, an orchestra and then uh, Derek recruits him to be in, in Simon Dupree and the big sound. And then of course they, they later become gentle giant and the rest is history. And and these guys, they kind of knew when to hang it up. They they uh-huh. they didn't have the success they wanted to, and and then civilian didn't really do anything, and so they they called it quits. But those guys were just so driven and so resourceful and and good at whatever they tried to do. It seems like that you know, they went into producing. They did very well there. Ray and Derek, especially Derek, became a big record company executive. Ray wanna, went on to do like DVD authoring and and production. Mm. Uh, for for musicians and, and was very successful doing that and was still doing that mm. at least as of when i interviewed him in 2021 uh, but this is a guy who played uh, like i said in his career with gentle giant bass guitar trumpet violin viola drum played drums too percussion recorder guitar yeah he did vocals uh just and like you just brought up he and carrie were the primary songwriters and they mm. didn't they didn't jam these songs they they sat at home. They worked them out and worked no, them I out on their own. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. It, it's an interesting way. Cause like a lot yeah. of bands, they'll bring a bit and then they'll riff on that bit or they'll just start jamming to begin with. Yeah. These guys were very much compartmentalized and then they brought it in and then everybody added their textures to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was talking to my friend Jerry about, about Ray and Jerry said something which I think is absolutely correct, which is, Ray was the kind of musician who you put any instrument in front of him and give him an hour with it. And he can probably play it. You know, there aren't a lot of people that, that can do that, but given the breadth of instruments that he did play, um, it's quite amazing. And, you know, like not only did he play them, I mean, I, I play several instruments, but I play some better than others. (laughs) I mean, I play, I play bass. Well, I play piano. Okay. I play some guitar. I play rhythm guitar. Okay. Um, but Ray was like virtuosic on all of these instruments. It wasn't like, Oh, he can play them. He can play some chords. I mean, it was virtuosity all on all of them. And that's really astounding and stunning. There aren't, there are many people who could do that. See? 
what do you think Ray's and General Giant's musical legacy ultimately is? You know, now that we we reflect back on them, I th- I think Ray, you know, I think Ray's legacy as a bass player will be, uh, you know. Ranking is always dangerous and and always kind of subjective, of course, obviously. But um, I think history will look back at Ray and and he he's one of the most accomplished, most unique uh, bass players to ever play in rock and roll. And uh, so I firmly believe that. And I think that um, particularly with, in, in the progressive rock world, he's, you know, he's up there top five. And I think General Giant also there, you know, they. I I believe they're the kinds of artists who will age really well. People will come to appreciate them. I saw um, Questlove from the Roots made this amazing post on Instagram on his Instagram feed, and it was Gentle Giant playing. And he was sort of like, "If you don't know who these guys are, you need to know who they are." You know, and it was a long, loving post about Gentle Giant. And uh, so their music is permeating other areas, and um, there's. What I will say is this: there is no other band that sounds like Gentle Giant. There will never be another band that sounds like Gentle Giant. You know, you can you can listen to some Genesis music and some, and I love these guys. And maybe some of their songs sound, oh, maybe, is that is that a different band? Is that somebody else? But you listen to Gentle Giant song, and it's Gentle Giant. There's no mistaking about that. They had their they had their own stamp, and I think that will serve them well in their legacy. Yeah. The uh... It's a shame that the Hall of Fame doesn't have like an influencers uh, category that, you know, maybe other either members of the hall or musicians can vote in because they they certainly, I think, belong in for, for just for the influence and the reach that they had. And um, they're still influencing people today. And, you know, it's unfortunate that even if that happened, Ray wouldn't be with us. I think that's the same. I know. If I'm not mistaken, it didn't Chris Squire pass before. Yes. Yeah, got in? Yes. It was the worst. It, it's like, it, stop screwing around and get these guys in while they're still I know. alive. I know. And Emerson, like and Palmer, like, I mean, you know, maybe if they ever get in. Oh, and those King Crimson guys aren't getting any younger either. I know. Yeah. Crimson needs to get in. You're totally right about that. That's a horrible omission. I mean, just. Tony Levin alone should be carrying them in. <laughs> Robert <laughs> Fripp is in there as well. And Adrian. Oh, Come absolutely. On. Yeah. So, uh, but I wanted to have you on. I, I thank you for joining me and talking a little bit about Ray. I, I wanted to process some thoughts on him and, um, you know, as, as being a former guest that has, is no longer with us and, and just a, a lovely guy and just a tremendous musician and, and his music and his life should be celebrated. And that was kind of my goal for this. It's been a tough couple of weeks. We just also lost Ian Berenson of Alan Parsons project. Played, that, yeah. Kate Bush played in pilot that everybody knows. Oh, ho, ho, it's magic. Everybody mm-hmm. knows that song. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so even though Ian and, and Ray are not household names, but right. they probably should be. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure. I'm 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 indebted to Ray, as are many many musicians, and particularly bass players. So, here's to Ray. Here's to his legacy, and and I, I send my you know deepest condolences to the band and his family. And and uh, but his his music and legacy will live on long after we're all gone. We're not done though yet, John, because I okay. know that you have you have a, a reissue of your solo album, Real Life Is Meeting. Yes, yes, Tell me about that. Thank you, Michael. I have finally um, gotten 
off my seat and uh and put made made real life its meeting available on Bandcamp as a digital download. Um it will soon be up on Spotify finally once I get some things worked out. I guess what I <laughs> I, I guess I don't have a John Galgano Spotify page, so I need to <laughs> I need to create that. Um but I'm really, you know, in listening to in listening to that album, it was definitely a statement for myself at the time. And I really like it. I I, I kind of went through, I, I loved it when it came out and I went through a couple of years where I was like, ah, is that album any good? And then um, with some prodding from friends and fans, uh, I was like, all right, it's, it's time for me to listen to it again. And I did. And I was like, oh, that's, that's pretty good. So I wanted to, I wanted to get it out there. So that's there. And uh, yeah, it's on Bandcamp is music.bandcamp.com. What uh, tell me the background story of that album? What was your like? Tell me the time frame and and what you were sort of going for musically. So I I, I write a lot. Um, I I have tons and tons of finished and unfinished music sitting on hard drives here. <laughs> um, I'm kind of always writing, and the reality of is is that we want our studio albums to be of a certain quality of sound and um of full band participation so the reality is those albums take time to put together um and they'll they'll there's only so much time on those albums so back in 0405060607 that time period um i was writing a lot of music and then i had kind of a accumulated a bunch of songs where I was sort of like, I have enough songs for an album is, is about to release the darkened room. And we were always already working on crush of night. So there were like thematic songs. We were in the middle of this trilogy of albums and the songs I was writing were not that. <laughs> so I, I, I just, I, I wanted a vehicle for these songs to come out. I felt like it was the right time to do it. And I had also been, reading several books at the time that were really inspiring one of which was i and now by martin buber who's a Jew- jewish philosopher and um several books by c.s lewis who's a christian philosopher and fiction writer and one of the phrases that i kept seeing was real life is meeting and it actually occurred in both i and now and in one of the lewis books hmm. and I, and i just loved that phrase and i loved the connotation of it that um that it's about connection life is about connection and about meeting people in you know face to face and and sharing with people and getting that connection so i love that thought and um i think that the three the th- through line of the album is is essentially that um so that's what really yeah that's what drew that album and how would you describe it musically for fans that are maybe aware of is but don't haven't heard this album before i would say there's elements of is in it um i think there's a 19 minute track on it called 1000 which i'm i'm pretty proud of uh it's definitely a you know a kind of proggy track to say it's it's sectional in nature Um, oh you mean it's not a 19 minute pop song (laughs) (laughs) it's not a 19 minute prog pop song um and the theme, the the kind of idea of that was, um, you know, if you live to a thousand, what would that be like? Um, if you were, especially if you're the only person who who did that. Mm-hmm. So it's just something I had heard and and was thinking about, and I wrote some lyrics for that. 
Um, but but the rest, I think the rest of the album is pretty eclectic. When I listen to it now, I'm sort of like, oh, these songs are all weird and different, you know, <laughs> all over the place. Um, yeah, I mean, they are a little all over the place. I think there's um, there's a couple of straight ahead pop songs. There's a song called "The Only Thing," which is an odd kind of uh, I don't even know what you would call it. It's just an odd kind of little song, which I love. Might be my favorite song on the album right now. It's a little radio heady, I would say, maybe. So yeah, I just I really like it. I think it's eclectic, and that's kind of where I where I am musically. Okay, and the reissue is just to get it out digitally because it was never put out digitally before. Correct. It's not remastered. It's not been. I, I thought about remastering it. Tom and I actually messed around with it a little bit, and the original we thought sounded better, so we stayed with the original. And um, it's just to get it out there. There there are a couple of songs that I, that were not on the album that um working on potentially for a release which i which i'll add to the the band camp you know for for free whoever buys that so hopefully um yeah and i have other songs now that i'm working on that i'm in my back of my head like do i have enough for a solo album maybe i do i don't want to be like chris squire and just have the one <laughs> yeah yeah but oh what a one to have right oh what a one to have <laughs> oh, fish out of water my goodness oh my it's yeah, you're it's, gonna only have one have one that's that good i know it's astounding. Yeah. So when I talked to you in episode 87, you were going, you were getting ready to take is out on the I move tour. How did that go for you guys? It went great. It went, it was, it was awesome. Um, we, we played, I move start to finish. I think it was four, four shows of that. Um, we did record the last show, which um, it looks really good. And hopefully we'll at some point see the light of day. Um okay. At least, at least some of it, but uh, but but it, it it looks really good, and um, it was really emotional. I think for me to play the whole, I moved from start to finish. It's an emotional album, and uh, and it was great to play with with all of us together on stage. Um, so it was really fun. Yeah. What is next for is, and what is next for you, and and maybe even Laura? Yeah. So we are making very good progress on the new album. We are still in a little bit in record mode, um, but lots of things have been finished. All the songs have are, are written. Um, there's one song that I'm trying to get on the end that I hope will make it um, to kind of complete the, the set of songs, but there I'm really, really excited about it. I think there's some really different and interesting music on this album. So that is our focus now. We're trying to finish recording of that. And, you know, maybe with some luck, it comes out this year, but maybe it's early next year. 
things things move at the pace they move at you know sometimes it's it, you 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 try to push things forward but you kind of have to go at the pace that they're at and we're fortunate to be able to take that time and there's no you know nobody's breathing down our neck to to do that yeah well i mean you guys move like a mini tendril toreador so <laughs> whatever that means <laughs> whatever that means whatever that means love it love it uh so that's great is it a, a concept album or just a regular standard album it's a standard album with some themes in it. Yeah, it's it's not it's not a kind of uh, one song flow into the next, but there's definitely some some themes in there. And uh, uh, yeah, so I, I think I think it, in a, in a similar way, I guess to Don't Panic, where it's not necessarily a concept album, but there's definitely some connective tissue there. Well, awesome. We're yeah. looking forward to that, and. Uh... You know, I'm sure you'll eventually have enough songs for another solo album and Laura will put another one out at some point and absolutely. Yeah. We'll just keep keep having some awesome tunes come out from you. Maybe you'll maybe you'll find a song that you want to have one of your heroes come and play on and they'll come and play on that. That would be great. Just like Gary Green. That'd but I appreciate you telling me a little bit about what's going on with Is and um and your your solo record reissue and and of course uh, your insight on on Ray's playing and and on Gentle Giant I really appreciate it and thanks for coming back and we'll have you back when that next album's ready to come out. Sounds great. Thank you so much Michael. Appreciate it. Michael's record collection is hosted and produced by Michael Citro. Logo graphic courtesy of Jerry Cutchins. Follow Michael's Record Collection on social media, at Mike's Records on Twitter, and Michael's Record Collection on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. If you like what you hear, you can support the show through our Patreon at patreon.com slash Michael's Record Collection. For the free newsletter version, go to substack.com and just type Michael's Record Collection into the search bar. Thanks for listening.